Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is episode 22 of season two of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Glad you're with us. Uh, took Monday off. It was MLK Day, so uh, there was just a lot of stuff going on, so did not have an episode that dropped on Monday, but we got the episode dropping uh, today. And very excited about it uh, because we've got a uh, great interview with a new friend of the program. Those of you who live in the Memphis area may remember Brian Fenley for uh, several years. He was a sports anchor at Local 24 here in Memphis before moving back to his native Southern California. He has uh, really prospered in his broadcasting career. It's been very varied and um, also doing an incredible podcast with people behind the scenes in the broadcasting business. And so uh, we had a very long conversation. Part one of that will be included in today's show and then part two in a subsequent show. It just got to be a really good conversation. Those of you who are interested in sports media, those of you who are interested in broadcasting in particular, uh, will enjoy the conversation. No Grizzlies conversation in it. It is, uh, we're talking shop basically uh, in the world of sports broadcasting. So we've got that today on our friend of the program. Today's show being brought to you, as always, by our good friends at HoopCityBC.com, and we've got some big announcements for you. The Jack Jones Spring League, which is for first to eighth grade boys, will run from March 2nd to May 19th. That's 10 weeks, and there will be a tournament. Games played on Wednesday and Thursday, $550 per team. Games will be played at Memphis University School, Christian Brothers High School, First Assembly, Christian School, and other Memphis area gyms. Now, you can register online. Go to www.hoopcitybc.com, and uh, you can get all the information there uh, to get your young person and your team entered in the Jack Jones Spring League. And we thank Ernie Kuyper, president of the Hoop City Basketball Club, and all the great people involved with that club for their continued support of the Grizz Weekly Grind. So Hoop City Basketball Club, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. At Hoop City BC is the Twitter handle. And as I said, the web address is hoopcitybc.com to get your boys in ages 1st to 8th grade involved in the Jack Jones Spring League. So, uh, like I said, we've got the uh, interview with Brian Fenley coming up. I've got some Petey's points as per usual, but we start as we always do with That Was the Week That Was. Grizzlies coming off the disappointing, in some ways it was a disappointing loss to the Dallas Mavericks, but the bottom line is Grizzlies were playing eight games in 12 days. They were tired. Dallas is playing really good basketball right now. So the Grizzlies come in on MLK Day, to take on the Chicago Bulls. Bulls really dealing with a ton of injuries. Zach Levine out, Lonzo Ball out, Alec Caruso out as well. And the Grizzlies were fairly healthy for this one. Grizzlies would be missing Dylan Brooks, of course, Eve Pons uh, as well, and Killian Tilly with health and safety protocols. But the Grizzlies, uh, they came out, and the MLK Day game is always interesting because you are playing in the middle of the afternoon and as Jaron Jackson Jr. told Rob Fisher after the game he said uh, basically you have breakfast and then you're playing basketball and it's just it's just different on your body clock and it took a while for the Grizzlies to settle into this ball game offensively shot just 33 percent in the first quarter but they forced eight turnovers from the Chicago Bulls and it was 20-20 after one quarter. Second quarter, Grizzlies found their footing. Grizzlies went 0 for 7 from 3 in the first quarter. 
Second quarter, entirely different. They go 7 of 11 from beyond the arc. Desmond Bain with 15 points in the second quarter, the highest scoring quarter of his young NBA career. The Grizzlies hung 38 on the board and would take a 58-45 lead into the locker room. Bain with 19 at halftime, DeMar DeRozan with 10, and Kobe White with 11. Uh, DeRozan held to just 4 of 12 shooting in the first half. Grizzlies shooting at 45% from the floor, outscoring the Bulls 26-8 in the paint. In the third quarter, uh, Grizzlies again put another 30 spot on the board, 34 in the third quarter, shooting 63% in the period. And they get very balanced scoring here. Grizzlies uh, getting 13 points off their bench, including four from Brandon Clark, DeAnthony Melton making a three, John Morant with an eight-point third quarter. By the way, John Morant is the leading third-quarter scorer in the NBA. Uh, Grizzlies now leading this one, and uh, essentially they would put it away in the fourth quarter. Morant comes up and has a a big fourth quarter for the Memphis Grizzlies, finishes with 25, Desmond Bain with 25 as well. Morant, uh, and the highlight of this uh, was Tony Bradley in the fourth quarter trying to trip John Morant. Clearly and rightly ruled a flagrant foul penalty one, and Morant also got a tech in addition to Bradley because Bradley, after tripping him and then trying to hold him up, wouldn't let him go. Morant pushed the ball in his face, so double techs, totally understandable. But then the highlight of the afternoon was Stephen Adams picking up Tony Bradley, who, by the way, is a rather large human being. Not as large as Stephen Adams, but a large human being nonetheless, and basically carried him away and said, stay away from my teammate uh, because if you don't, uh, we could have an issue. And uh, there was no issue, and, and, and peace prevailed, and so uh, Stephen Adams was the peacemaker in that circumstance. Grizzlies win at 119-106. to They get to 31-15 and on the road. They bounce back after the loss to the Dallas Mavericks. The Bulls lose again. They fall to 27-15. and Again, the Bulls just really, really, really shorthanded in this game. They got a great second half from DeMar DeRozan, but had to really work for his points, and only got to the free throw line four times. And DeRozan finishes with 24, which is pretty much an average DeMar DeRozan night, but didn't get to the free throw line and uh, only shot about 40% from the floor. So the Grizzlies did a great job. Grizzlies themselves shot 40% from three and shot 51% from the floor. That is a recipe to win basketball games, and the Grizzlies also had 29 assists in that game. Grizzlies then start a four-game road trip, and uh, just as the road trip started, the Grizzlies found out they would not have Desmond Bain and they would not have Kyle Anderson. They entered health and safety protocols. And then the morning of the game, Tyus Jones enters health and safety protocols. And so the Grizzlies go into the ball game at Milwaukee to start this four-game road trip, severely shorthanded. Meanwhile, the Milwaukee Bucks get Drew Holiday back after he had been out for five games with an ankle injury. Bucks don't have anybody in health and safety protocols. They've gotten themselves clean uh, through that process, and the Grizzlies still muddling through it. It's, it's just the way the NBA is right now. And the Grizzlies taking on a Milwaukee Bucks team that was struggling, although they did beat the Golden State Warriors. Um, but the Bucks not as dominant as you might have expected. But they had lost the fifth most games to injury in the NBA and had something like this, like 20 different starting lineups. Uh, so they really were dealing with a lot of issues on their end. 
Milwaukee gets, gets off to an incredible start shooting the basketball. They shoot 56% from the floor in the first quarter and 5 of 10 from 3. Grizzlies fortunate to be down just 36-30. And part of the reason that they did that is uh, that the Grizzlies made three of their own threes, but on 14 attempts. Grizzlies, actually half of their field goals in the first quarter were from three. And uh, John Morant had all three triples for the Grizzlies, an 11-point first quarter for John Morant, Giannis Antetokounmpo with 15 for the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, by the way, uh, Taylor Jenkins finally able to return to the club. He clears health and safety protocols, so he is back on the bench for the first time in uh, six games. Second quarter, this is where things really got dicey for the Grizzlies. They struggled in the period. They're outscored 25-17, to 17, and uh, the Grizzlies, by the time we get to halftime, they're shooting just 36.5%. Their three-point percentage hasn't gotten a whole lot better. They go one of nine from three in the second quarter, uh, and they're down 61-47 at halftime. But this is a Bucks team that had given up seven double-digit leads throughout the course of the season. Third quarter, Grizzlies get themselves right, and Jaron Jackson Jr., props to him for rebounding from a one-for-seven first half, put up 17 points in the third quarter. John Morant with 13 in the third quarter. And the Grizzlies outscore Milwaukee 40-35. to And the Grizzlies, well, they would, they would get this game down to single digits in the fourth quarter, but uh, too much Giannis down the stretch. Giannis Antetokounmpo finishing with 33 points, nine of those coming in the fourth quarter. John Morant finished with 33, four in the fourth quarter. And Jaron Jackson Jr., man, 17 in the third quarter, 10 in the fourth quarter, Goes for 29-9 and with four blocked shots. And the Grizzlies did manage to foul out Giannis Antetokounmpo. But Chris Middleton, he was fantastic. Didn't shoot the three ball real well. He finishes with 27. So Middleton and Antetokounmpo finish with 60 points combined. Meanwhile, the Grizzlies get a total of uh, 62 from Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. Not enough. Bucks win it 126 to 114, despite the fact the Grizzlies had 66 paint points in the game. Grizzlies tried to rally from 18 down. They led 10-2 early, uh, but the Bucks got control of the scoreboard in the first quarter and never relinquished it. And the Grizzlies now 31 and 16 as they start a four-game road trip that will take them next to Denver on Friday night. Uh, the Grizzlies then to San, uh, then to Dallas and San Antonio before returning home to take on the Utah Jazz, and that is that was the week that was. And so now let's get to some PD's points. Before we do that, uh, hope that you are enjoying the Grizz Weekly Grind on the uh, Basketball Podcast Network. Would love for you to leave a five-star rating, leave some comments. If you want to comment also directly to me, my DMs are open at Twitter. At Pete Pranica is the Twitter handle. If there's something that uh, you would like me to address, if there's a guest you'd like me to have, certainly uh, drop me a note. Let me know what's going on. And uh, we appreciate your continued support of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Now, Speedy's points for today. First of all, gutty, gutty effort against the Milwaukee Bucks. You are... Without Kyle Anderson, one of your better defenders because of health and safety protocols, you are without your backup point guard in Tyus Jones, who's having a fantastic year, health and safety protocols. You're without Killian Tilly, and you're without Desmond Bain, health and safety protocols. Uh, you're missing perimeter defense. You're missing perimeter shooting. You're losing playmaking. 
this is really, really rough for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, this, of all the COVID situations, this might be one of the worst. When John Morant was in health and safety protocols, he was also injured with the knee, and so it didn't really matter quite as much. And the same for Zaire Williams, because his health and safety protocols, his stint in health and safety protocols came while well, he was rehabbing the knee injury. But very gritty effort by the Memphis Grizzlies when you're considering the Milwaukee Bucks are the defending world champions. I know that they've had their bumps in the road, but they have been very good at home, and they are playing with a fully stacked roster with the exception of Brooke Lopez. And right now, Drew Holiday, before he went out with the ankle injury, was playing great basketball. Chris Middleton, since the end of November, has been playing at an all-star caliber level. And, of course, Giannis Adetokounmpo, one of the best players on the planet, and certainly an MVP candidate. And the fact that the Grizzlies battled from 18 down and had their chances in this game uh, really speaks to the level of competitive spirit and the way that the Grizzlies respond to Taylor Jenkins and, uh, and, and his instillment of culture with this basketball team. Uh, previous iterations of the Grizzlies, they may have just folded their tents. They go down 18 and they realize it's Giannis's night and things get out of hand. This is a team that really fought back and a a gritty, gutty effort. I mean, you end up starting John Conchar as your shooting guard, which he's never done. He's typically been a a small forward. Zaire Williams, you know, so you're starting a rookie. You're starting an undrafted guy in John Conchar. uh, And and the bench is a little thinner than it would normally be because you don't have Tyus Jones there. Gritty effort by the Grizzlies. And as I said, they had their chances. And this leads me to the next Petey's point. It did not determine the game. But with two minutes left, it's a five-point game. The Grizzlies trap in backcourt. They knock the ball loose. And for reasons that defy explanation, the shot clock operator reset the shot clock to 24 when the Bucs got the ball back. There was never a change of possession. And why do I say that? The official score did not give Zaire Williams a steal on the play. There was no turnover. There was no change of possession. And yet... In the backcourt, the shot clock was reset. Clearly, if you go back and you look and you count, Milwaukee was in backcourt for for eight-plus seconds. Officials now look to the shot clock to determine the eight-second violation. I don't know that they physically count. They look at the shot clock. When the shot clock gets to 15 and the ball is not across to front court, that's an eight-second count. Why is it 15? Because the shot clock internally runs on tenths of seconds. So when it displays 15, that means 15.9, which means 8.1 seconds have elapsed. Therefore, it's an eight-second count. Shot clock operator misses it. Three officials miss the fact that the shot clock is erroneously reset. Not saying that it changed the outcome of the game. But if the Grizzlies get that eight-second call, they have the ball and they are down five with just under two minutes remaining. That's a two-possession game, and anything could happen. But it's not a reviewable matter. It was not noticed in the moment by the officials where they stopped and said, hey, shot clock has been improperly reset. Shot clock operator messed up. And credit to Taylor Jenkins afterwards. He was very magnanimous about it. And he's right. It did not cost the Grizzlies the game, but it's very disappointing to be in a situation like that and to not have an end-of-game situation adjudicated correctly and and to – I think everybody's way of thinking, uh, at least anybody that I've talked to, uh, it was not handled correctly, and, and that's unfortunate. But 
When you get down by 18, everything has to go exactly right for you. And in that instance, it was a bad break that went against the Memphis Grizzlies. What are the realistic expectations for this trip? When you think about the fact that unless there's a, a, a escape from protocols for Bain or Jones or Kyle Anderson, you hope that you can maybe get out of this trip two and two. Um, San Antonio, never an easy team to play, but not an above 500 team. Denver has had its struggles this year, although they are coming off a massive game by Nikola Jokic and an overtime win over the Los Angeles Clippers. Dallas, also very tough. So if you could go two and two out of this trip, if you're the Memphis Grizzlies, I would say that that would be a fantastic trip. And then hopefully you start getting some bodies back. Dylan Brooks is probably still a while away uh, with the ankle. So now you're just waiting out the COVID situation and uh, wish we were done with COVID. We are not done with COVID. Um, testing will continue, particularly for people who are symptomatic. Um, and it's, it's just the world that we're living in. Grizzlies have been very fortunate through most of the COVID outbreak. They've been able to put together the 11 game winning streak. They had won six on a row, six in a row on the road before losing at Milwaukee last night. Uh, so they've been able to manage it pretty well, but right now it's, it's a particularly difficult intersection of guys that you're losing because you're losing one of your best perimeter defenders in Desmond Bain. You're losing your best jump shooter for sure. And you're also losing Tyus Jones, who again leads the league in assist to turnover ratio. He's been shooting uh, the basketball very well, second in the league in floaters, shooting a career high from three. And so it really puts you in a bind. And so the Grizzlies are going to ha- at least have a day on Thursday to kind of figure out how they want to move forward with who's going to initiate the offense in Denver when John Morant isn't doing it. Again, the day before the Milwaukee game, we knew that Bain would be out. We knew that Anderson would be out with health and safety protocols. Tyus Jones was a surprise and a late scratch because of his entry into health and safety protocols. So the Grizzlies didn't have a whole lot of time to figure out what they were going to do in terms of a backup point guard situation. They will have some time now for that. Final PD's point for today, uh, MLK Day. Always a special day in Memphis. One of the highlights of the day and something that I am honored and privileged to be involved in is the Earl Lloyd Sports Legacy Symposium, which takes place before the game. We have the honorees, which this year uh, were Elvin Hayes, Muggsy Bogues, and Alan Houston. Elvin Hayes not able to make it due to travel difficulties uh, with the winter weather. Brevin Knight sat in as one of the panelists, and it was one of the best conversations I think that we have had with the symposium, just talking about race relations, talking about what needs to change. Uh, What would you ask Dr. King if you had the opportunity to visit with him now. Uh, and Alan Houston and Muggsy Bogues were great. Brevin was fantastic. And I love Brevin Knight like a brother. Uh, he keeps it real. He might be one of the realest people I've ever been around, uh, and particularly when talking about race relations. And those of you who are on Twitter, uh, if you haven't seen it, you'll, you'll see some clips of Brevin talking about race relations. And one of the more pointed questions that I asked is, what do you as African-American men say to the white community to try to bridge this gap in our country, in the relationship between the races. And, and Brevin, and I'm paraphrasing here, basically said, you need to understand what we go through as black people in America. 
Again, the soundbite, it's on Twitter. You can find it online, and I would urge you to listen to it. And um, it was a great conversation. I appreciate Alan Houston, who studied African-American studies at the University of Tennessee. He's, he, was, he was fantastic. Uh, Muggsy Bogues was great, very pointed in his comments, and, and Brevin was, was sensational, as, as you would expect. So it was a great, great symposium. Uh, the celebration is wonderful. And a lot of credit needs to go to Andy Dolich, who's now out in the Bay Area. He was the president of the Grizzlies when he said to David Stern, you know, we need to have a, a game on Martin Luther King Day in Memphis and got David Stern on board with it. And uh, so we've been doing it for the last 20 years in Memphis. And it is uh, it's one of the great civic celebrations on the Memphis calendar each and every year and uh, grateful for that. All right, we'll get to our friend of the program in a moment. But first, we tell you that today's show is being brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds. Uh-huh, yeah, I like that, 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round because everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN to get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN. For 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And that brings us to our friend of the program. Those of you in the Memphis area remember Brian Fenley. He was a sports anchor at Local 24, the ABC affiliate in Memphis, before he moved back to his native Southern California. Uh, Brian has really expanded his broadcasting portfolio. He's done tennis. He's done college volleyball. He's working with UCLA. And he also has a very unique podcast series out right now he talks about all of that and more in our friend of the program segment here's brian fenley brian when we last saw you you were anchoring the sports at local 24 in memphis you have since returned to your roots in southern california and you you said before we started recording you said you're trying to keep busy i think you're doing a really really <laughs> good job with it and i guess your your baseline is sports updates on Fox Sports Radio Network, and what else does Brian Finley have in the hopper? So a lot of cool things that I think are going to happen, but what I can tell you is that I, I do the coaches show for UCLA. So when in Memphis, you're talking about the, the Penny Hardaway show, whatever, you know, for basketball season, I do the radio version for it in LA for UCLA. And that involves football and basketball season. So actually we're going to have our weekly show tonight and we're going to be talking about the, the last two games, Oregon, Oregon state. And then we'll look ahead to the games coming up this week. I love calling niche sports. And I know Pete, you've, you, what I love about you is your, diversity in how many different sports you can call from soccer the list goes on so i love calling tennis i also love calling volleyball right and right and that's something we have common we, we we've both done a fair amount of volleyball which actually is a lot of fun to do i, I find. love it 
No question, because it's fast paced. It, it really is something where you don't have a lot of time to to sort of dote on. You've got to be really selective of when you try to insert stories into that broadcast because the action is happening so quickly. And and tennis now now where where did where does that come from? Is it is it your personal interest in tennis or was it yes. an opportunity that was print? Okay, so so are are you a tennis player? I you know I never was that good. I have a better backhand than a forehand, but so I got the opportunity to do a couple college tennis broadcasts for ESPNU. And then I've parlayed that into being in the bullpen for USTA in calling tennis, mostly during the summer for their challenger tour, which a lot of folks know it's sort of like, think of it as like AAA baseball, like that level where you've got a lot of tennis players who play at the U.S. Open, but they're right on the cusp. They might not be inside the top 100. They're still making a little bit of money. There is this tour that goes around the country, and the USTA has money to put on a broadcast for this. So a, a lot of guys you will see and gals that you will call matches for who will then go on and do big things in the future. So it's fun. I'm sure, Pete, in your career, when you got to know athletes when they were young, there's such a satisfaction from my part and your part too, in knowing them when they were young and then watching them ripen and grow. And so that is one of the m- more rewarding parts of, of doing, I know, I know what we do. Yeah. That, that's really cool because I remember, you know, you're doing triple a baseball here with the Redbirds, and then you see these guys go on to the Cardinals and yes. you see them excel. And yeah, I remember when, and I remember I, I got to do a, a, um, a Vanderbilt, Oregon basketball game a few years ago, and Dylan Brooks is playing for Oregon. <laughs> Little did I know that he was going to end up as, as being one of the Memphis Grizzlies. One of the things that you do, and uh, we talked about it, is is the updates on Fox Sports Radio. I did sports updates for the late lamented one-on-one sports radio network, became, which became Sporting News Radio, which may have become Yahoo Sports Radio. I don't even know anymore. That was really one of the most challenging things I ever had to do because I was work. Well, I was, I was working on Saturday afternoons and Saturday evenings in the midst of college football season and trying to do updates with monitors. And I I don't know how it is uh, on Fox. If you've got an audio post, you know, that you have to hit a certain time that you have to hit for those of us, for those who don't know what doing sports updates is like on a national network, tell us the process. So it's interesting. I think there's some similarities clearly to what you did, Pete, in your past. But it's sort of like working in an air traffic control center. As you pointed out, there are monitors galore. And oftentimes they work overnight, which you usually don't have a lot of live stuff. But I also work in the afternoon. But I do weekly one overnight shift, Saturday into Sunday. So a lot of it's recap. A lot of it is extracting sound. And we thankfully, I don't know about you when, when you were doing it, Pete, but we have editors. So er, in the early days of Fox Sports Radio, a lot of those who were anchoring in the updates, they had to pull their own sound and, and grab whether it's coaches postgame stuff or one of your calls from the Grizzlies and then put it in. We have this big database and library where our editors are working around the clock and they are listening to every game, NBA, NFL, NHL, and they are giving us stuff. So it's sort of like this big bin that we can collect and extract sound bites from. And so we'll go to that. What is impossible to do 
in an afternoon, say doing a shift on an NFL Sunday or Saturday afternoon college football, as you know, Pete, it is impossible to script because if you write everything out, as soon as you do that, when they go to you, the score has changed and it's just, you're behind. So essentially what I've had to do, and I know you're, you're the best in the biz at this. And so I, I, I sort of try to emulate you is you've got to have a really good memory where I I'm watching multiple games at a time and I'm also storing what's happening. And so not writing everything down and being okay with that and being off the cuff and then going with it. And then of course, included in that, you've got to do the reads. I'm sure, you know, the ads and stuff like that. And so you want to include that and make it not sound so contrived and so forced, but it's a lot of fun. The shift goes really fast because there's games always happening and you always have to be on Twitter because of the breaking news, because they might go to you when something happens and you've got to be on your game and they'll throw it to you with very little warning and say, let's go to the FSR news desk and Brian, blah, blah, blah. And we got to hit it. So you can't take a moment. Like I think of it like this, Pete, when you've had somebody who is a spotter, when you're doing a football game, the anchoring room is like being a spotter. You can't take a playoff or you're cooked. Right, right. You have to watch thing. everything. Everything, yeah. And you can't call play-by-play while you're in the midst of an update, but you can just say, oh, Oklahoma just scored a touchdown, extra point pending, the updated score is. And that, you yes. know, so, so you're, you're really dancing. You're talking into a microphone, you're looking at your notes, and you're looking at monitors at the same time. And that's why when people say, you know, of all the things you did, what was the hardest? That was really the hardest because, <laughs> because then, too, I had a stopwatch in my hand. And I think with uh, one-on-one sports radio, I had to hit an audio post, which da-da-da-da-da-da. That's what an audio post is. Poor replication, but you get the idea. And I think it was yeah. like 1 minute 56 seconds. It was an odd number that you had to hit that audio post. And you had to be out, or otherwise the network cut you off. Yes. which would have sounded horrible with the affiliates. And so, yeah, so I was looking at a monitor, a stopwatch, a script, and just trying, trying to figure it all out. And, and, but it is really exciting when you do it well, but it's hard to do well. It is hard to do well, but there is such a, a love of being on the news desk when huge events are happening because you feel in a way that you're part of the game. And the nice thing is, other than Major League Baseball, you are able to include play-by-play clips in radio broadcast in-game during the update. Now, baseball is different. We're told we have to wait until the game ends, and then we can throw in a Fernando Tatis Grand Slam or whatever. But when it comes to college football, like you pointed out, Georgia scores a touchdown. Our editors are working super quickly within two or three minutes. They have that in the database, and then I go on in a minute or two. I'm able to take that. And say, hey guys, let's start in you know the national championship game where Bennett just threw another score. Play audio, Georgia Radio Network, give a little nugget or two stat-wise, get to that game and then keep moving and then get to the Grizzlies. And I have a lot of fun with, with the Grizzlies updates because considering that you know the last time I was in the chair, they had won their 11th straight game and things are going so well for them. But it's sort of like stacking a rundown in a sportscast when you're doing local television. Obviously, you want to hit the most important things first. We have such a, a vast library of audio that we it would be a disservice not to include something in basically every update. Now, sometimes I need to do better at that. 
but it just adds an extra flavor when you're able to hear a call from from an Alabama touchdown or from one of your calls. It just adds a different pizzazz. And I love to be creative, but at the same time, Pete, not be corny. And I think that can be, can be a fine line there. I like using verbs that, you know, are telling of sports, but staying away from the corniness, which obviously is one of the big keys in doing this. Yeah. You don't want to be corny. And the other thing too, is you don't want to try to be funny. Exactly. Everybody's sense of humor is, is really, really different. Now, in addition to that, I'm really fascinated. And I want you to, to toot your own horn on this. You have done a podcast series, which I think is remarkable because you have talked to people not who are on-air talent necessarily, but directors, producers, people who are programmers, people who negotiate the rights to events. And you've taken your viewers and listeners behind the curtain with these people. What inspired you to do this? Why, why have you taken this? I think, I, I think it's fantastic. inspired. You get great stories out of it. But what was the genesis of this? It was March 2020. And as we all know, the lives in which we knew had changed. And I thought to myself, Pete, I love meeting people and I love telling stories. And I felt like when the world changed and we were sort of confined to our homes, I don't want to let go of that love of storytelling. On top of that, I said to myself, with as hard as life is for everybody in the world, when March 2020 hit and everything everybody's dealing with, there's a lot of negativity out there. And so my angle was, let's get some positive stuff out there. We go on social media, Pete, all the time, and it's so toxic. And even those who are in media and they're covering teams, it just seems like there's this toxicity. And for me, I try to stay away from that. And so my goal here is to raise people up, people who we don't see. I love having you on. Those two are in front of the camera. But as you know, Pete, you are only part of a grand operation with the Memphis Grizzlies. And people need to understand the work that those people do behind the scenes to make it possible. My goal was multiple things. To tell great stories, to allow people to shine who were not getting the credit they deserve, and allow myself to meet others when we weren't really allowed to meet others starting in March 2020 when we were sort of confined to our rooms. And I ran with it. And how it works, as you know, you get one person on that has an enjoyable experience, then word of mouth happens. And I think there were a lot of people who have come on since that probably wouldn't have unless I stayed consistent with this and regularly put out content in that they saw that some of their colleagues were on, which made it say, okay, if so-and-so goes on, I guess I'll come on now. Then they have a great experience. It's an avalanche effect, and it's allowed me to meet and tell stories that I never would have expected in my wildest dreams. So there's the setup for Brian's podcast series in which he talks to people behind the scenes, directors, producers, content creators, network executives, people who uh, are involved in the acquisition of sports rights. Uh, It's a fascinating series. And if you are interested in sports radio, sports media, sports television, 
It really is fantastic listening and viewing because it is on video. And there's a YouTube channel for it. Brian Fenley's Twitter handle is at Brian Fenley, at B-R-Y-A-N-F-E-N-L-E-Y. Go to his Twitter feed. You'll see some highlights there. It'll direct you to the YouTube channel. Among the people that he's talked to, he's talked to Tom Hewitt, who has directed Grizzlies games forever. And uh, he will tell a lot of great stories to Brian Fenley. And so go ahead and check that out. We'll finish the conversation with Brian Fenley. We'll talk about some of the guests he's had, some of the insights he has gained, some of the things he has learned through this podcast series. That will be in episode 23. That will drop on Monday. Also in that episode, we'll talk about the Grizzlies road trip. Will the Grizzlies get anybody back from COVID? Uh, and as they face the Denver Nuggets coming up on Friday. So we've got that. So thanks to Hoop City Basketball Club for their support of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Again, go to hoopcitybc.com. Jack Jones Spring League is forming now, so check that out. Our thanks uh, also to uh, Brian Fenley for being our friend of the program. Our thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook. And a final note, we're coming up on Valentine's Day. Uh, I'm on Cameo. So if you want me to wish your sweetheart a happy Valentine's Day on your behalf, a special Grizzlies-themed uh, Valentine, happy to do that. Uh, I've been doing Cameos for um, – I've done pep talks for people who have gone into chemotherapy. I just did one for a, a, a young man who is studying for his teacher certification exams who lives in Luxembourg and stays up late to watch Grizzlies games. Uh, birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, whatever special greeting you may want for somebody – Happy to do that. Go to Cameo.com, search for my name, Pete Pranica, and uh, I will cut one of those personal messages for you, and uh, happy to do it. It's, it's really kind of cool to hear from different people who are big Grizzlies fans, and, and they want me to send special greetings to, to whomever. So go to Cameo.com, search Pete Pranica. Happy to do that for you. All right, that's enough. That's a wrap on Episode 22, Season 2 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.